The Texas Nationalist Movement uh, existed before the Tea Party. Uh, we existed uh, while Trump was still being a reality show host that people like you uh, pumped up and, and uh, boosted the ratings, right? And QAnon was not even a twinkle in anybody's eye. So, look, we predate all of that. So you can go put that in your pipe and smoke it, pal. Welcome to the Texas News Podcast, where we dive into all things Texas politics and the future of independence in the state of Texas. On today's show, we're going to be discussing TexitCon. And uh, I'm so sorry if you weren't able to join us because it was an absolute blast. Uh, also, we're going to take you through everything you missed. But specifically today, we're going to be focusing on the media's shady coverage from the event. So don't go anywhere. Well, friends, we are officially back from the Texit conference, and it was simply an amazing weekend. I mean, beyond a shadow of a doubt, uh, I think everyone that uh, that attended came out with their life changed. And I mean, I know that sounds hyperbolic, but the fact of the matter is it, it was life-changing, uh, at least for those that I talked to. I, I can tell you, that uh, in the time that I have been engaged in the work for Texas Independence, uh, I've never had an event where I, I had over a dozen people individually come to me uh, in tears, just talking about what a difference the event was making for them, whether it was in their 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 personal uh, motivation for Texas helping them to not feel alone, whether it was information that was so impactful that they got that just really changed their perspective on things, uh, or, you know, the realization that when they crossed that proverbial line in the sand, it was, in fact, uh, joining a, a movement that is not just some political organization out there, but really a, a family uh, of people that all love Texas. So, uh, incredible weekend. And, and look, I would encourage you if, if you did not participate, uh, or you just perhaps now are finding out about the event, just simply go to the Texas conference website and look at the list of speakers. Uh, I mean, you, you had the gamut. It was an educational event. Uh, but even beyond being an educational event, it was, Practical. It taught people practical skills that they could take back into their communities and implement. And it was so impactful. We we had people come in from outside of Texas, uh, not just as speakers, but to participate to hopefully carry this idea of independence back to their respective uh, states, their homes. And uh, I it, look, it, it wouldn't surprise me. If we didn't see the the strengthening of some existing independence movements, or, or perhaps even the birth of some independence movements uh, in states where it had never even been considered, so uh, I, I can I just would like to take the opportunity to say a, a massive thank you to those in the organization uh, that that organized the event, whether. Uh, they played a, the role of scheduling or volunteer check-in or stage managers or 
rotters, whatever, whatever uh, those folks did, whatever you did, if you're one of those volunteers, thank you from the bottom of my heart. And of course, to all of our speakers who created such a wonderful event and a wonderful atmosphere, and to all of, uh, to all of you who attended, whether you came stayed for part of a day, an entire day, or the entire weekend. Uh, we sincerely appreciate you making this very first ever Texit conference undoubtedly a success. And of course, we had major announcements while the conference was going on. Uh, going into the conference beforehand, uh, I think it was the Monday before, we announced that we'd hit the halfway mark on petition signatures. Uh, we entered into the conference. I want to say that there was an announcement pretty early on that we were at 60,000 at the kickoff of the conference. And by the time the conference was over three days later, uh, we were over 60,000 signatures on the petition to put the Texas question on the Republican ballot in the March primary. So, uh, we are just fast balling toward the inevitable where we cross that finish line of a hundred thousand plus petition signatures uh and we deliver them uh per the statute and we get a vote on independence uh in march so we'll talk more about that later on a future podcast or just watch the website at tnm.me uh but today though uh while there's a ton of news i could focus on like the fourth special session, you know, we can talk about some of the border issues. We can talk about how uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton is endorsing pretty much every challenger. We can talk about the idea that, te- you know, the idea that Texas is going to play a major role as the backdrop for these upcoming primary elections. There's time for that. We can have that conversation later. But in our time today, uh, in the absence of a guest, I am going to uh, talk to you about the media coverage related to the Texas conference because, uh, frankly, uh, out of everything that went down at Texacon, whether people were learning about self-determination for the first time or um, you know economic prospects of independent Texas or hearing perspectives from different independence movements around the world, or hearing from noted academics who tell us that we're on the right track, the the media coverage of this event, I think, was particularly instructive. And even though the media did not have a, a panel or a session there, I think their coverage of it is about as educational as you could possibly get. Now, uh, I will I will say this. For many people in the TNM, this was their first dose of watching media outlets actually be everything that we thought they are, right? Misstating the facts, eliminating context to promote a particular viewpoint, uh, or just outright lying. I mean, just outright lying. And so we're going to walk through that today, and I'm going to take you through some of that. Now, at the Texas conference, uh, we we had uh, several media outlets uh, showed up. We had uh, 
Fox 44, which is a, a local uh, TV station based in Waco. Uh, we had the Texas Tribune show up. We had a, a, a publication, I use that very loosely, called The Dispatch. Uh, there was a reporter allegedly from the Washington Post. Uh, I mean, there were just, there was a, a lot of media running around, including some independent media outlets. Oddly enough, strangely absent, uh, were some media outlets that you would think probably would have been there, like uh, the Texan, you know, Connie Burton's outfit, that you you would think that the Texan would have sent someone there to cover it. Nope, not at all, right? Uh, or Texas Scorecard did not have anyone there. Um, there were some media outlets that, that you would have somewhat expected to be there. And in fact, and I know this may seem strange to some folks, given the amount of media kind of hostility that we've had in the past, uh, we had an open door policy for the media. So all the media had to do was show up, check in, get their credentials, and they could interview any speaker. They could participate in any of the sessions. They could interview any of the attendees. Uh, in fact, we, we were very clear we had nothing out of even with media that had been previously hostile to us, right? That had been not so friendly with us. Uh, we wanted them to have an opportunity to experience this as we experience it. Understanding that, you know, look, you're gonna get a you're gonna get a bit of a mixture, right? If the haters are gonna come in and they're gonna hate, they're gonna do what they do. Uh, if if they were crap media beforehand, they were gonna be crap media on the other side, but. We, we wanted our story to be told. And even if it was told in, in maybe not the most accurate way, and the rationale behind that is, is quite simple. We've watched for years the media go through gymnastics to avoid talking about any success that the TNM has had. You know, well, we got two planks on the Republican Party platform. They did everything they could not to talk about it, right? But that was huge. Uh, you know, when uh, when the Survey USA poll came out and showed that we were at uh, well over a majority, near a supermajority of Texas voters would vote for Texas to withdraw from the union if given an opportunity. That's that's huge. That's news. Even the uh, the Dr. Matt Cortrip, who we've mentioned on here before, an interview has said that at 30 to 35 percent support media should be crawling all over this but but they don't instead you have media outlets that interview the same you know couple of desiccated old adjunct professors from you know bug tussle community college saying that it can't be done and even when they publish stories claiming that Texas is unconstitutional. They don't even bother to come to us. I mean, we're the dadgum experts on this thing, and we have access to academics that counter that narrative. But we did it anyway, and it was very important that we did so uh, because if you give them an opportunity to at least mention who you are, hey, sometimes there's no such thing as bad press, right? Uh, but there's there's... My, my rule, personal rule, in dealing with the media is, number one, don't lie to me. 
And number two, don't lie about me. And in relation to the TNM, that has gotten a couple of media outlets blacklisted, right? There are two media outlets right off the bat that we do not talk to. And I can name, you know, look, Bud Kennedy from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, we don't interview with him. We do not, we do not respond to his request for interviews. And it's because he lied to us and he lied about us. And once you do that, uh, your name is blotted out of the book of life, right? You don't get to come back and bite me twice, right? What does the old saying? Don't ever let a dog bite you twice. And so, you know, we understand that. But that being said, I've got some some very specific examples uh, from the Texas conference that you're going to absolutely love. And, and, of course, the first thing that happened I thought was, to me, hilarious because it, it's not just that the coverage was ridiculous. It, it's it's what happened after that showed the power of of what we can do, right? Uh, the the power of us taking not not taking this crap lying down. And, and right out of the gate, first piece was Fox forty four, right? The the local Fox affiliate in Waco sent out their you know their rook news person to come out and and she probably did not want the assignment and and she came in and, and she was hot when she came in right i mean she was she was loaded for bear you could tell everyone who interacted with her said you could tell she did not want to be there she'd rather be covering you know the free puppy giveaway or or some other kind of fluff news piece not her jam right so she actually does an interview with our executive director nate smith uh you know shoots a little bit of b-roll after throwing a bit of a huff because she couldn't interview me uh, which i was already interviewing with the waco tribune herald the local newspaper but because because i was not immediately available to her and she couldn't get in the room where i was already sitting down for an interview uh she threw a bit of a hissy fit so she goes back to the station and lo and behold, what do we get? We get an article posted on their website in a news story. And the headline, dozens come to Waco to discuss Texas independence. Dozens. Now, just a little media FYI. Uh, it is a pretty common tactic for adversarial media to downplay the numbers for things they don't like, right? So when you say something like dozens, people don't even look at the S. They just see dozen. Oh, okay, well, you got a handful of people. Well, you know, I had more people than that at my Thanksgiving celebration. You know, that's kind of crap that they think about. But they can look at it and say, you know, if there's if there were 1,200 people there, they could say, well, that's factually correct. It was a hundred dozen, and that's dozens, but they do it to downplay the numbers that were there. Well, it just so happened that after that thing hit and all of our people saw it, and all of our people lost their minds about it, uh, it just so happened, poor timing on this reporter's part, uh, that uh, our comm director was giving a class at the conference on 
social media strategy. And it was supposed to be instructive, you know, things to do, things that was part of the activism track. And what she did was just, it, it just give you an example of how, how nimble we can be, right? She utilized that class as an opportunity, that workshop, she used it as an opportunity to push back on this particular media. And so everyone that was there was encouraged to find this station on uh, Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it and give them some pushback. And lo and behold, what happened in that particular room changed the entire scenario. Our comm director got a, a phone call from the news director at the TV station, wanted to know what why they were getting hammered over this story. And in fact, we were able to send pictures that showed not dozens, but hundreds of attendees. You see, they went so far as to request any type of proof that we could have that this reporter intentionally sought to mislead people. Well, just so happened we were having, we had pictures, we had uh, video, we had everything we needed. It was sent over and it was no time at all. Let's see. Uh, the, the article originally was posted on November the 10th at 3.55 p.m. And by November the 11th, uh, it was changed. So by the time they got pouted and the headline was changed to Discussion of Texas Independence Draws Crowds in Waco. Boom! Shakalaka! Mission accomplished. Pushback happened. Because, you know, you, you can't let them get away with this garbage. Right? You, you can't let them get away with this nonsense. And uh, kudos to the news director over there who recognized the fact that he had a reporter who really did not want to do her job uh, and decided that she was going to take a swipe at us by writing some headline. And, and I'll be honest with you, while Nate gave a great interview, the, the story that was that was written, um, uh, l let's just say that her coworkers probably need to set up a GoFundMe to get her, her a subscription to ChatGPT because it would have been a whole lot better than that word salad she threw up there on the site. And, you know, and, and people say, well, don't. why are you being so cruel? Well, I, I'm not being cruel. What I am being is I'm being incensed that our people were being marginalized and, 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 you know, thrown off to the fringes yet again. You know, we had 40-plus speakers, including international experts and state representatives and state senators and experts in their respective fields. And what we got was dozens, people that took time out of their lives, that spent money to travel to Waco, that bought hotel rooms, that bought tickets, and then on top of that, would pitch in and volunteer. And then on top of that, would pitch in and donate money or go to the exhibit hall and spend money. Why should we tolerate those people being marginalized? Why in the world... Would we ever, in what we're, if we care about one another and we care about this cause, why would we put up with that crap? Well, honestly, we don't. That's just the thing. We just don't. 
it's it's been the thing, and, and I'll go back pre-podcast many many years ago, a trip down memory lane. But but one of the reasons that we that the TNM made a run at the Republican convention so many years ago, the year that that the floor fight it was 2016, the year that we forced a floor fight and floor vote on adding Texas to the uh, the Republican Party platform. Yes, it was strategic, but I'm going to tell you the impetus for that. And it was the chairman at the time, Tom Meckler. I mentioned him in the Texas book, the guy who bears a striking resemblance to the cowboy from the village people, right? This guy, he he said that it that no one believed in this issue and that uh, it was a bunch of fringe people and they were vocal and they didn't know what they were talking about. In short, he treated our people like garbage. And so our plan, people came when, when it did not win the floor vote, when Meckler stole it, people said, aren't you disappointed? I said, absolutely not. I'm not disappointed. Because my goal initially was not to get that thing on the platform in that convention. I knew it was going to be a much longer slog. My, my goal on my checklist was to make Tom Meckler and the people in the political establishment like him eat crap. I, I wanted to show the world that Tom Meckler was a liar because he marginalized our people. And, and there were our people in his organization. And what those people saw at that convention was they saw over half of those delegates stand up in favor of adding it to the platform. They saw him steal it. And then they saw a third of their convention delegates walk out because he did it. The world saw that. And they had to walk away from that knowing, wait a minute, this is not just, you know, 10 or 12 people. This is a real thing. When the Reuters-Ipsos poll came out and showed showed uh, over half of Republican voters and half of independents and even a third of Democrats, and they tried to ignore it, and they keep saying it's marginal, it's, it keeps saying it's fringe, it's ridiculous. So... We should never have to put up with that kind of stuff. And if you want to know why that pushback against some random local news station in Waco was important, it's because it showed that, number one, we're not going to tolerate it, and number two, it is possible to win a victory when the media lies about you. So, you know, we, we've had a, a lot of stories, but there is another what I would call an egregious example. And when I say egregious, uh, I I mean egregious. I mean, this might be, and, and look, that we've had some doozies written about us in the past. I mean, some pretty hardcore doozies. Chock full of lies, uh, untruths, uh, lacking context, I mean, you know, you can tell opposition advocacy pieces when you see them. But this one, this one takes the cake, okay? So so during the convention, I get pulled off into the media room. This guy says he is uh, from from something called The Dispatch. Never heard of you. Uh, And he'd like to sit down for an interview. So not a problem go to the media room, and all of the questions were pretty standard. 
you know, about the polling numbers, about the support, about the process, about the constitution, all the normal stuff that we normally get. Boom, boom. Talked about how the fact he uh, was originally from Lubbock, moved to Washington, D.C., and now he's back in Texas. Whatever. Okay. Didn't think anything about it. Well, then, lo and behold, the article comes out. And uh, I call it an article because it's not. It's an opinion piece. You know, he he apparently decided that he was going to write an opinion uh, about us. You know, so an opinion piece. So he says things about us, and an opinion would be like if I called him a pig-eyed bag of crap, right? People could say that's an opinion. Nobody literally thinks he has pig eyes. Some people probably do think he's a bag of crap. And after this particular uh, rundown, I'm sure you're going to be one of them, right? But before I talk about this reporter, and I no, I don't even want to call him a reporter, this, this screed writer, uh, let's talk about the dispatch, right? So here's the, here's the textbook. Here's what they say. The dispatch is an American conservative subscription-based and advertisement-free online magazine founded by Jonah Goldberg, Stephen F. Hayes, and Toby Stock. Okay? So that gives you an idea, but but let's talk about a little bit more about Kevin Williamson. So j- just so you understand, that description of the dispatch tells you Probably not going to be friendly to, to what what we're about. But let's talk about Williamson. Because you got to understand that just because someone is from Texas doesn't mean that they're going to be friendly or neutral to what we're doing. In fact, we, we've seen this time and time again, right? Uh, but you, you go through, he... he it's a very interesting. He worked at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. We 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 know that's the the Lubbock paper. But here's where things get interesting. I mean, I'm not going to go through this guy's career, uh, but but interestingly enough, he was with the Atlantic Magazine, right? You guys remember that piece that that was done at the Atlantic about us at one point. It says, but his employment was terminated following public criticism of a 2014 Twitter discussion in which he suggested hanging as a criminal punishment for abortion. It says uh, He said that later that he had intended to make a point about the sloppy rhetoric of the abortion debate rather than to promote capital punishment. So we already know that he's not beyond saying some incendiary things, right? But when it comes to what he wrote about the conference... I'm going to get into this article because it is uh, a doozy. But he referred to it as a dispatch from the Texas Nationalist Movement Confab in Waco. Now, and I'm not going to go through this. I'm I'm going to take pieces of it, right? But you'll be able to find it online. But as he gets in, he actually first starts talking about uh, Claver Kamalamani. Now, many of you know Claver. Claver is a member of the advisory board. Uh, he and I have been through a lot of political wars together, and he sits on our advisory board uh, primarily as a to consult us on 
how to reach communities of color on the Texas issue because that's his background. He's a absolutely he's a minister, but that's his that's his primary role in helping us is to be able to take this message and, and make sure that we're getting it to all Texans, right, regardless of their ethnic background. But but he he makes a note of this. Kevin Williamson makes a note of this. He says, he talks about Claver, and he says he's a Christian activist who spent years working with addicts and the homeless in Houston. And here you go. And his is one of the few black faces you will see here at the first big confab of the Texas nationalist movement, a group that is institutionally committed to seeking the independence of Texas as a sovereign republic apart from the United States. Well, I mean, let, let's, let's just talk about what Williamson is implying there. Just to mention, he his is one of the few black faces. Wow, S- somebody somebody slapped the race card down pretty quickly, didn't they? It, and it was not Claver; it was good old Cav here, who decided that this was going to be about race. But but here's where he goes on. He says so beyond the te- core of Texas true believers, it's mostly just MAGA. MAGA. I don't even know how they pronounce it in Western wear from Cavenders in Boot Barn. Well, let me just pause right there and say that's pretty rich coming from a guy who looks like he bought his hat, fake cowboy hat, at the convenience store on the corner before he got to the convention center. I mean, look, it, it, it was it was pretty shabby. It, it's like he, he tried to, to uh, cosplay as a Texan to show up there thinking he might blend in, but let's be honest, he stuck out like a sore thumb. He also refers to uh, you guys out there, the core of Texas True Believers, as the detritus of various suburban Tea Party groups and Trumpist organizations and QAnon cultists that have moved on to the next obsession. Well, let me tell you something there, Cupcake. The Texas Nationalist Movement... Uh, existed before the Tea Party. Uh, we existed b- uh, while Trump was still being a reality show host that people like you uh, pumped up and, and uh, boosted the ratings, right? And QAnon was not even a twinkle in anybody's eye. So, look, we predate all of that. So you can go put that in your pipe and smoke it, pal. Just tells me, and I think should tell all of your readers, that really you just don't know what the hell you're talking about, Right. That statement right there tells me that you just couldn't be bothered to do any homework before you drug your Texan cosplay butt up to the Waco Convention Center with your ridiculous hat, right, to try to look like you fit in. You just didn't do your homework. And he says, weirdly enough, surprisingly, few of them are Texans of any meaningful tenure. Oh, really? Well, I guarantee you, that if we'd have pulled everybody there and tracked their roots back, you would have found probably more than your fair share of Texans whose roots go all the way back to the revolution. You're going to find many multi-generational Texans that were there, but you didn't bother doing your homework. I mean, you could, I mean, let's be honest. The gal at Fox 44 actually did a better job than you. And her stuff looks like it was written by chat GPT if it were run on a Commodore 64. She did her homework. You didn't. 
you came in obviously with a preset bias. I'm a sixth-generation Texan. My Texas roots go all the way back to the Battle of San Jacinto, and I could have pointed you out to any number of people there that had those sorts of roots. But let's just be honest about something there, Kev. Let's just be, let's just get real clear and honest. Some of the people that are here that were at that conference did come from out of state because they moved to Texas because they are political, cultural, and economic refugees from failed states that hold the same viewpoints that you do. Let us not forget how much time you spent being baptized in the waters of the Potomac River before you came here to move your stink all over Texas. I mean, what a pathetic, pathetic attempt to discourage people. And let, let us also remember that Crockett and Travis and Bowie were not Texan. They came here and gave their lives for Texas independence. So who in the hell are you to set the bar any higher? Buddy, you're you're not the, the resident genealogist here. You don't get to determine who is a true Texan and who is not. And I got to tell you, if I'm basing it off of the spirit of those people who made Texas independent the first time, buddy, you missed the cut by a country mile. But I love this. Even though he basically says no one there has got any time in Texas. Oh, but Apostle Claver Kamal Amani is not one of these. He is a son of Beaumont and a fifth-generation Texan. Well, goody-goody gumdrops. At least you got that right. But then, this is the fun one. This tells you how little work this guy did. He gets it to a part where he's talking about Claver as a minister was holding an invocation. And someone... Some rando, we have no idea who it is, as Claver was talking about and, and, and praying for those people that are in conflict around the world, he, he, he mentioned Texans love Israel. And somebody screamed at one person, said, no. Claver said, we love Jewish people. And then somebody else said, no. And then that's it. That's literally it. So trying to paint this as some kind of a ridiculous clash between Texans that are there for one purpose because one person happened to shout something out. You know, maybe, and, and I saw where Kevin was in the room, maybe if he'd have looked over to his right, he could have interviewed the IDF veteran, the Israeli Defense Force veteran who's sitting right next to him, right? I mean, maybe he could. he's trying to paint this picture of this other conflict uh, overseas creating division. And these are all, it's kooky. Well, guess what? People have different opinions, Kevin. People can disagree without being disagreeable. You can disagree on all these other things, but keep the main thing the main thing. But you can't figure that out. I mean, let's be honest. I, I, and I'm sure that this blows his mind that people like us have done this for years and years and years when he's a serial job hopper. I mean, this guy's hopping from one thing to the other, like fleas off a dog at a dog, uh, at a dog shelter, right at the, at the animal pound. 
he's hopping around from thing to thing. I, I look at that on a resume. I'm thinking somebody can't keep a steady job. I, I'd say that'd be a problem, right? But here we go. Because this is just going to tell you how mature Kevin is. The organizers look down intently at their Tony Lama boots as though inspecting them for scuffs. And everybody else pretty much glances furtively around sideways like someone, somebody who had the chorizo breakfast tacos just let one rip in church, which is, in a sense, what had just happened. Where would radical politics be without emotional flatulence? I mean, he, he basically, and this is how juvenile is, he's making fart jokes. I mean, look, third grade, right? Or pretty much the last 20 years of British comedy. I'm not wrong. But here you go. The Texas Nationals movement has been making a pretty obvious effort to cut down on its kook factor, but the truth remains, they're kooks. Some of them are very smart and well-intentioned and good-hearted kooks, but most of them are unfailingly polite kooks, but they are kooks nonetheless. And then he goes on to make a statement where essentially we should adopt the Hamas motto, from the river to the sea. So this guy can't figure out what in the world he is or what he wants. But this is, I mean, literally, these kooks are mostly not Jew-hating kooks, of course, but the vocal presence of at least a smattering of uh, Jew-hating kooks is not exactly a big surprise. Some of these kooks are kooks in denial. Now, for those of you who attended the Texas conference, is that what you saw? Because if that's if this is not what you saw, then this guy is a serial liar. Because I'm going to tell you, no one I talked to at this thing saw what he said. In fact, he tries to take this one incident and essentially spread it across the entire organization, the entire event. And he's basically saying that you... The supporters of Texas independence, the 60% of Texas voters who support it, the 66% of likely voters, the Republican voters, the libertarians, and, and you know, those stalwarts that are still holding the torch in the Democrat Party who believe in Texas, he's saying this is you. He talks about, in this article, you get a lot of little factless factoids like this from the conspiracy-minded talking about the uh, talking about Graham Moore. Graham Moore, who is the, the leader of the English Constitution Party, which is promoting the independence of England from the United Kingdom, which, by the way, three years ago a poll was held, and of those who had an opinion on it, 49% said that England should do it. Not small potatoes. But hey, what does he focus in on? Not that he's got someone there, legitimately a leader of a legitimate political organization in a legitimate independence movement in, in England is there to, to encourage and educate people about their movement, aside from anything else he believes, but they're at the conference to educate people on their movement. And what does he get? Oh, you get factless factoids from the conspiracy-minded. Well, 
tough. Tough. Un- unbelievable. I mean, that's that's what he got. He goes on, he talks about. Graham, the English are a nation, Moore says, while the British are only a political union. And in Moore's view, a political union is a rotten thing to be. The British, and this is a quote from Graham, the British Union, the European Union, the American Union, the Soviet Union, all the same thing. And then he goes on to acknowledge, that's a big applause line. You think? You, you think as you're seeing these political and economic unions erode around the world for the last 75 years? You, you Are you surprised that that's a big applause line at the Texit conference? He goes on to make digs at veterans, which there were uh, more there than he could possibly imagine. He, but he talks about more. He talks about Graham as a cordial and affable Londoner. But then he can't be satisfied. says he will remind you of every hilariously national frontish taxi driver who has ever taken you from Heathrow to Kensington and a tinfoil hat guy of the First Reich. Unbelievable. So, so far, he's mentioned in this article, Claver. He's mentioned Daphne Armour, our chief of staff. He, he mentions Graham Moore. Okay, so he's got, he's got three. But then he goes into this thing about what you say about London, you could say about Houston, San Antonio, or El Paso. The notion that Texans at large have a shared culture is preposterous. Look, I would expect that a statement like that to come from someone who has spent some time in Washington, D.C., right? I, I could expect that. So I, I'm not going to forgive you for it because you make an assertion and you have no facts to back it up. But Texans are Texans. If he had stayed for uh, my discussion about Texas being a nation, I, I would have shown him beyond a shadow of a doubt. Texas has a shared culture. We have a shared history. But yet again, this uh, alleged screed writer shows that he was there to make a point. He doesn't He doesn't believe Texas has a culture. And sure, you have subcultures within Texas, regionally-based subcultures, but you have a cohesive, unitary culture. It is. It exists. It is a thing. Steinbeck even said a Texan outside of Texas is a foreigner. He said that Texas is a nation in every sense of the word. So I'm sure Kevin believes it's okay for Gavin Newsom to refer to California as a nation state, but maybe not so much for us because, you know, he just would rather to see, he would rather see the tentacles of Washington, D.C. dug in to Texas and to see you be denied your right of self-government. But here he goes. But a lot of the TNM folks don't seem to quite get that. Possibly because they're from California and not Texas. It's just it's just wrong. It's just a damn lie. It's so wrong. But then he wants to take a dig at the Californians, you know, basically saying that it's a creation, that CalExit was a creation of the Russians, and he tries to lump in uh, Texas into that, and, and both of those are not just lies. They're damn lies, things that we've covered exclu- extensively in the TNM. There's another TNM leader, a DC-born IT guy who just moved to Texas this year, which shows a whole lot of however you say hood in Texan. He says it takes all sorts, I guess, but the Texas Nationals movement's big confab 
attracts a surprisingly small number of you know Texans. Again, lie. Another lie. I mean, how, how does this guy know? Is he checking passports? Because God knows he still hasn't even scratched the surface on speakers. And he's and we know he's only talked to a handful of attendees. I don't know that he even talked to a handful of attendees. I, I don't know because I don't see that reflected in this hit piece. You know, he goes through and he talks about the booths in the exhibit hall. And let me tell you something about the exhibitors. They paid money to be there to show their wares, to talk about whatever it is they talk about, to help make this conference a reality. And he's going to go slam on these guys, right? I would I would challenge him to go spend some time at the Democratic Convention here in Texas for the, the, the Texas Democrats. Go, go to their state convention. You want to see some craziness or you want to see a bunch of people not from Texas? Go roll into that thing. That's not what this is. But he gets to me into my interview. So now we're now we're we're to our next person. Uh and and oddly enough, this is where it gets interesting. He refers to me as an unusually well practiced politico for a group such as this. Well, buddy, I've been at this since nineteen ninety six, right? Um I, I've been doing this one thing since nineteen ninety six. While you're job hopping, you know, I I I I'm singularly focused. Uh and he says and he will talk your ears off about the polls. I mentioned the polls once during the questions. But at least, and this is where it gets interesting. He says, and the polls are pretty interesting. Survey USA, a research firm with an A-plus rating from 538, found that 66% of regular voters in Texas and 60% of its overall Texas sample answered yes to the question, would you support Texas peacefully becoming an independent country along with other conservative states or not? He says, that's not precisely Texas. The question was put to voters in several states about their own states, but it is pretty close. Some 77% of self-identified conservatives did too. On the question, would you support or oppose the idea? And he goes on. So he talked, he essentially affirms everything we said about the polls. And, and frankly, it's alarming to him. As someone who has written this big pile of crap, that that conversation that I had with him, he took that one section and he found it alarming. And here's how you know. I told him, and this is a quote from me, if Texas independence goes on the ballot today, it wins. And this is his, his comment on that. He isn't obviously right, but he isn't obviously wrong either. So even the hater acknowledges the fact that this is, if it goes on a ballot, those guys have problems. Now, he's not looking at the same anecdotal evidence or the same polling that we are other than this one. But the bottom line is, folks, we've got them scared. But more about that in a minute. So he talks about uh, his interview with me, and this is what he says. I want to like these people mostly. Well, hang on. Let me let me just let me just go back. He's talking to me. He says, asked about the issues that drive him, Miller responds with familiar Republican stuff. Debt and deficits, the border, inflation, with the additional factor that he believes the federal government to be unreformable and irretrievably corrupt. 
So just to be clear about this, he says that's Republican stuff, but he ignores all of the polling data, all of the electoral trends. He hasn't talked to people who understand these are not Republican issues. Both parties talk about the debt and deficits. Both parties are talking about the border. Both parties are talking about inflation, right? And I don't mean the parties themselves. I mean just regular, everyday people. These are their concerns. And you want to marginalize those concerns. You want to minimize it. How dare you? How dare you minimize these, what many of these people believe are existential threats to them, to their future generations? Unbelievable. He says, you know, the United States must be destroyed to save it. That's not what we're saying at all. Nobody here has said destroy the United States. To save constitutional government and liberty in our culture, the great fruits of which are, and here you go, judging by the room, diabetes, despair, and some some not super great singer-songwriter stuff from a guy who sounds like Lou Reed if Lou Reed grew up in the suburbs of Houston. Everybody's a music critic, right? Maybe that's what he should be. Because let me tell you, news and politics is not his bailiwick. He says, I want to like these people mostly. Sure, a few of them are grifters and con artists. Buddy, that right there, that's a recipe for a lawsuit. I don't care what you type into it because you're not just talking about me. I can't. I'm covered by public figure, but you're talking about people in that room, calling them con artists and grifters and, and essentially accusing them of fraud. And, uh, you know, and he says, and some of them are hate-addled weirdos. I mean, when is the last time you saw a news piece that, uh, that said the kind of things that this guy says? Well, here's the deal, folks. News may be gone. We, we may be in a situation here where we don't get news. It's just advocacy like this, and we have to fight back. But, but here's why I say that. We have to fight back. When we sued Meta, people said, why are you suing Meta? Just let it go. Because at some point, you have to draw a line in the sand. It's like, why did you guys participate in this suit with Jeff Leach if it was going to be hard? Because at some point, you got to say this far and no further. You got to fight. And if you don't think they're fighting, you heard all of this. He literally says it. He says, I'll tell you that some of the facts about which there is no real dispute are more worrisome to me than the fictions that command the attention of these poor, desperate, confused, angry, and anxious people trying to convince themselves that they are the spiritual heirs of Davy Crockett and Jim Bowie. These are, after all, my people, Texans, Americans, fallen children of Adam in need of a redeemer. But here you go. But I also want to fight them. Here's what they think about you. Their politics are generally stupid and toxic and, at times, positively wicked. The question of secession was settled at Gettysburg by the blood of better men than any of these. And as somebody who didn't just move here from California, I am not ready to concede Texas to these kooks. 
Stephen F. Austin and Juan Seguin and William B. Travis and San Jacinto and Blue Bonnets do not belong to these crackpots. And if anything, there are a good many figures from the other side of the political aisle who have a better claim on representing what Texas is about than the Church of Crypto Jesus guy does. This is what he said about you. He equated you to people like David Duke. But you understand, we have to fight back against this. This is the face of the enemy. This man attempted to cloak himself in your clothing and mingle among you to do nothing more than to talk about uh, how much he hates you. To be able to pretend to be your friend, to have a conversation with you, and then in the end, go and do nothing but mischaracterize and lie, but ultimately reveal his true intention, which is to fight us and defeat us. But I have news for people like him and anyone else who would, uh, who would seek to deny us our right of self-government. And here's what it boils down to. You've already lost. You just don't know it yet. Because people like you were too busy, as I said, baptizing yourselves in the waters of the Potomac River, thinking that this was marginal, thinking that we were small in number, and now realizing that it is ultimately too late. The avalanche has begun. It's too late for the pebbles to vote. And so now we stand on the precipice of doing something amazing. We have crossed over that threshold. I imagine by the time this airs, we will probably either be three-quarters of the petition signatures we need to get you a vote on Texas independence in March, or we may be all the way across the finish line. We've raised enough money to get it done but we always are going to need more. You know, you've got the enemy, the people out there, the, the ones that don't want you to have the right of self-government, like Kevin Williamson here, doing their dead-level best to discourage people, to mischaracterize you so others don't join this cause, but the snowball is rolling downhill. It's happening, and it's happening right now. The thing that I've told people all the time when they say, when is Texas going to happen? Guess what? It's happening. It's been happening. And those that say it will never happen are just too blind to see it. It will never happen is the epitaph of every failed prophet and historian that has ever lived and died on this planet. And so you have them lash out. You have the, the petulant reporter at Fox 44 try to downplay it and say there were dozens when there were hundreds of people there. You have this ridiculous nonsense from Kevin Williamson writing this, this hateful screed, doing everything they can to slam you because they couldn't be bothered. He, he couldn't mention the politicians and the academics and the experts across a whole host of disciplines. He had to cherry pick and then mischaracterize and twist just to try to discourage people, but it won't work. 
And then you have, you know, State Representative Jeff Leach asking for $90,000 for his attorney fees for that suit, that, uh, that slander suit that he won. In the end, he probably won't get $90,000. But the fact that we had to force him, we forced him to admit that that Texit is not literally treason and not literally sedition and had to watch him crawfish. And now, watching him eat crap over his role in the Paxton impeachment. Yeah, we'll have to raise. I'll, I'll chuck in a, a bunch uh, as much as I can. I'll go, look, if I got to go sell a kidney on the black market to cover this myself, I'll do it because it's worth every penny. Because we have to fight. We are so close. The last mile of the marathon is always the hardest. And so, look, I implore you, we'll, we'll have a guest on the next podcast. And I apologize for the length of this one, but you can't let these things go unrebutted. You cannot let the opposition silence you. You can't let them lie about you, and you cannot let them lie to you. So whether it's Fox 44, the dispatch, or any of the others, celebrate and and tell reporters that you appreciate when they give neutral coverage, when they do their jobs. And always, always, always push back when they lie to you and when they lie about you. All right. That is a wrap on the Texas News Podcast. Whew. Talk about a marathon, right? But that that uh, this one was an important one. Uh, a quick reminder, uh, we are, again, days away from the deadline on the Texas petition. Be sure you get over there right now. We want your signature to count. TexasPetition.com. Get it done. And, of course, uh, head over to the TNM News site at news.tnm.me to stay on top of all things Texas independence in between the time that we're doing this podcast, right? And uh, a reminder, Apple Podcast, head over there. Uh, you got to subscribe. Do, do all the things. Leave us a comment. It helps other people hear what you are hearing today. And uh, a big shout-out to everyone who is watching the video version of this on the TNM website. Uh, this is a member exclusive, so thank you all very much for being members of the TNM. And if you are just hearing the audio Go to news.tnm.me. Check out the video version. If you're not a member yet, become a member today. That is a wrap, and I will leave you with the words I leave you with every single time we're together. They're the words of Sam Houston when he said that Texas will again lift its head and stand among the nations. I believe that time is now, and the question is, will you stand with her?